Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you don't have this written down, go ahead and write it down. It's kind of critical to your understanding of the book. Second Samuel is a book about David. And it's a book about David's 40-year reign as king. Seven and a half years David reigned in Hebron, and 33 years David reigned in Jerusalem. Second Samuel is divided nicely into three main sections. Chapters 1 through 10, David's triumphs. Chapters 11 through 12, David's trials. And chapters 13 through 24, David's troubles. David's triumphs, trials, and troubles. Chapters 1 through 10, triumphs. 11 through 12, trials. 13 through 24, troubles. If you've been with us, we've been in the second section of Samuel in David's trials. And we learn through David and through Samuel that David is a man after God's own heart but he's still a man. And chapters 1 through 10, as we find David's triumphs, and chapters 13 through 24, we find David's troubles. Sandwiched between David's triumphs and David's troubles are David's trials with Bathsheba in chapter 11 and 12, which is where we are. Now, if you've been with us, you know we concluded the last time in chapter 11 which is the story of David's adultery with Bathsheba. Just briefly in chapter 11, I want you to just kind of travel with me, okay? Just briefly in chapter 11, look at verse 1. It tells us it's the spring of the year, the time when men go out to fight. David's men were out fighting, and David stayed in Jerusalem to rest. And while in Jerusalem resting, David takes a walk out on the roof to get some fresh air. He sees a woman cut out the peripheral, taking a bath. Her name is Bathsheba. And the Bible says that she was beautiful to behold. She was the wife of Uriah, who was one of David's mighty men who was out fighting. And David had her bought to him. And he laid with her, the Bible says, and she got pregnant. And David begins to hatch a plan to cover his sin. Listen, David begins to hatch a plan to cover his sin. After two unsuccessful attempts to get Uriah to sleep with his wife, he decided to have Uriah killed. Chapter 11, look at verse 14. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, who was out on the battlefield, and delivered that letter by the hand of Uriah. In verse 15, the content of the letter told Joab to put Uriah in the hottest part of the battle and pull back so that he would be killed. Are y'all getting that? 
Uriah is carrying his own death warrant, his own death warrant. Now, keeping in mind, Joab hasn't read uh, chapter 11 of 2 Samuel. Joab doesn't know that David slept with Uriah's wife. Joab doesn't know that Bathsheba is pregnant. Joab doesn't know that David is trying to have him killed to cover sin. Look at chapter 11. Look at verse 16. Tells us while Joab is taking over the city, he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. And I told you the last time that I get a hunch that Joab knew something was up. Although he didn't know exactly what, he knew something was up. Because as a general, and here's why I say that, because as a general, you don't intentionally put your men in a place where they can be killed. You don't intentionally, are y'all following me tonight? You don't intentionally uh, put, put, you know, offer a sacrificial lamb, if you will. As a general, you protect your men. So note, Joab put Uriah not in the hottest part of the battle per se. The Bible tells us that he put him... Are you looking at verse 16? He put him with valiant men. Joab put Uriah near warriors, valiant men who could fight. The Bible says, verse 17, some of the servants of David fell and Uriah fell and died also. And then in verse 27, fast forward tells us he took Bathsheba to be his wife and she gave David a boy. But notice in verse 27, Y'all come on, read it with me. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Let me talk to you about something really quickly, if I can. Um, something I wanted to share with you last week, but we just didn't have time. I wanted to talk to you about the law of reaping and sowing. The law, write it down, please. The law of reaping and sowing. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Hosea, write that down. Chapter 8, verse 7. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Hosea 8, 7. The Message Bible says, Planting wind seeds, they'll harvest tornadoes. There are three laws of nature that will not change. Three laws or rules that apply naturally and they apply spiritually and you can't change them. Point blank period, they are what they are. Three points concerning the law of reaping and sowing. Number one, you will reap the same kind. You will reap the same kind. Genesis chapter 1 verse 11. God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yield seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to, it, according to its kind, whose seed is in itself. Whatever you sow, you will reap. As simple as that. You don't sow thorns and get figs. You don't sow thistles and get fruit. If you sow apple seeds, you're going to get apples, not pears. Am I right about it? <laughs> That's real basic. If you sow apple seeds, you're going to get an apple tree. You're not going to sow apple seeds and get a pear tree. I don't know why I want to say a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> you won't get a partridge in a pear tree either. You sow apple seeds, you will get apples. You always reap Exactly what you sow. Listen, saints, 
This is a rule. It is a law. Laws can't be changed. They are what they are. The law of gravity. You can't change it. Drop something. Watch. It falls. Jump off a building. You're going down with no wings. It just, it's a law. I mean, don't do it. But if you did do it, you're going down. Because it's a law. So the first law of sowing and reaping is you reap the same kind. You'll always reap exactly what you sow. You know what the world calls that? The world calls that karma. The world calls that karma. Y'all wake tonight. Okay, all of a sudden I woke up. The world calls that karma. Karma. God calls it reaping and sowing. If you sow righteousness, peace, love, and forgiveness and friendliness, you'll reap righteousness, peace, love, forgiveness, and friendliness. If you sow gossip, strife, envy, discord, backbiting, lying, you will reap the same. If you sow spiritual seeds, you'll produce spiritual fruit, the same kind. If you sow fleshly seeds, you'll produce fleshly fruit, the same kind. You always reap the same kind. Number one. Number two, you always reap later. Not only do you always reap the same kind, but you always reap later. We live in an instant culture, don't we? We want it right now. And it seems like the more the years go on, have you noticed? The more people feel entitled to things. There's this sense of entitlement. Am I right about it? There's a sense of entitlement in the air that people feel entitled to whatever it is that they want. And they want it and they want it right now. The, the whole, you know, this whole idea that you and I grew up with of, you know, work hard and, 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 and pay later. Uh, who, nobody thinks that way anymore. Nowadays, it's don't do any work and get paid. <laughs> right? We want it now. We want everything right now. I was thinking about this today. I thought about do you remember dial-up? Do you remember, anybody here still have dial-up? I don't even know that. I don't even know you tell me you don't have. Nobody has dial-up. Please, nobody have dial-up. Please, I have to pray for you. If you have, if I, if you have dial-up, I gotta lay hands on you. Come up here. I have to lay hands on you. You remember dial-up? Dial-up. Dial-up took forever. Remember that? And we were happy with dial-up. Until the internet speed started, you know, now, now there's more speed. And now we get upset if we don't get connected in 1.2 seconds. It's like, man, I've been waiting 1.5 seconds and I'm still not online. And I'm really talking to the staff here at Calvary Chapel because we have problems with our, our system and everything's I almost didn't get my sermon on my, on my thing, but... You know, we, we want everything. We want it right now. Concerning reaping, it's not fast. Concerning reaping, it's not fast. It's later. The harvest comes later. The harvest comes after planting. You don't sow today and harvest tomorrow. You don't sow one hour and reap the next. Solomon said there is a season to sow and a season to reap, and they are different. And the seasons are not simultaneous. You sow now, and you have to wait. Wait. <laughs> Until it's time to reap. So you always reap later. Number two, you reap the same kind. Number 
uh, one. And then finally, you always reap more. Let me have those uh, in the screen right there. Thank you. You always reap more than you've sown. Now watch this. A farmer reaps the same as he's sown, but not really. Because if you sow an apple seed, the apple seed doesn't just grow more apples. It grows more apples with seeds. Are y'all with me? It grow, I'm going somewhere with all this. Trust me. It, it grows more apples with seeds. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap. But not only will you reap, you'll reap more than you've sown. This is true, true spiritually. Even when you give your life to Christ. You become an heir. So you sow, you give your life to Christ. Then you become an heir to the kingdom. You reap more. Huh? And you get eternal life. Whatever you give to God, listen, will always receive more. That's just God's economy. Whatever you give to God, you'll always get more. If you give him your life, he'll give you life abundantly. If you give him your time, he restores the years that the locusts have eaten away. If you give him your ministry, he'll give you anointing. If you give him your finances, he'll add and he'll never owe you anything. God will not be a debtor to any man. You've heard me say that many, many times. You will never hear God say, I owe you one. You'll never hear God say, I owe you one. Never. The great news for the Christian and the bad news for the non-Christian is if you sow to the spirit, you will reap eternal life. But if you sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction. That's what the Bible says. So you always reap more than you've sown. You sow the same kind. You always reap later and you always reap more. Well, listen, chapter 12, seed time and harvest has begun. David has sown some seeds and now it's time to reap. And you'll see as we walk through chapter 12, he reaps more than he's sown. I've titled this sermon, Grace for the Guilty. Second Samuel chapter 12, saints, we're going to read the text that we'll be dealing with and then we'll come back and have some comments. How about that? Second Samuel chapter 12, we're looking at verse one. If you're looking at verse one, say amen. Well, then the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and he said to him, there were two men in one city, a king. There are two men in one city. One was rich and the other was poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It, the lamb, ate of his food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock, from his own herd, to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger, look at verse 5, was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And then Nathan said to David, you the man. 
Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. And I gave you, verse 8, your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do this evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to yourself and have killed with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword, David, shall never depart from your house. No, not ever. Because you have despised me and you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord. Behold, I will rise up or raise up adversary against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel, before the sun. And so David said to Nathan, underline verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin, you shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great commandment or great occasion, pardon me, to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. And then Nathan departed to his own house. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Between chapter 11, verse 27, and chapter 1, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1, is a whole year. So you can write that in your, between the, the, the chapters. One year has gone by. It's during this year, David's sin, after David's sin, he's been, he had been eating this sin had been eating at him and torturing him and he's screaming on the inside. And you say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because it was during that year that David wrote Psalm 32, verse 3 through 5, which reads, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. Let me have that there. Thank you. All the day long. For the day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality, note this, saints, was turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you. And my iniquity have I not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David is saying, for one whole year, I was miserable trying to cover up and hide my sin. God was merciful and forgave me, and he's talking about this situation in Psalm 32. So verse 1 says, we are one year from David's sin with Bathsheba, one year from adultery, one year from the hypocrisy, one year from the deception and the murder and the cover-up. David is distraught, and David can't ignore this sin because God can't ignore the sin. And David found himself in a straitjacket of guilt, a guilty conscience. And a Greek philosopher once said, there is no witness so dreadful no accuser so terrible as the conscience that dwells in the heart of every man. David's conscience did not leave him alone. The only problem is he didn't go to the good shepherd. The good shepherd had to come to him. Well, verse one tells us the whole one whole year later, the child is born. And because David wouldn't come to God, God sent Nathan, the prophet to David. Now, I'm sure nothing unusual about Nathan coming to David because we know from chapter seven, 
2 Samuel, that Nathan was in David's cabinet when David took office. And Nathan wasn't a basement person. You remember I talked about basement people and balcony people, and basement people are a bummer, and balcony people are fun, and balcony people lift you up and encourage you, and they have uplifting exhortation and exhortive things to say to you. Balcony people, people that are up. Basement people, they're a bummer. They always got some negative thing to say. We all know people like that. You probably sit next to one right now. (laughs) So Nathan, coming to David, David probably thought he came to chit-chat. So Nathan comes to David, no big deal. Think about this. God gave David a year to deal with this sin and to repent. A year. That tells us that God is trying to love people and give people an opportunity to come to him. God is not trying to embarrass people. He is not trying to judge people. I think of this verse, and I thought of this verse today in Genesis chapter 32, 24. Don't turn there. Just listen to me, please. Then Jacob was left alone. Real quick. And a man wrestled with him. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him. Listen, I believe God would rather wrestle with you alone than wrestle with you in front of people. He'd rather wrestle with you alone than wrestle with you in front of people. There have been many, many, many times that something's not right in my heart, personally, my heart. And God comes to me and he wrestles me down. And I really believe this. And if you're a real, really born again Christian, God will wrestle with you. He will win. He'll wrestle until you say uncle. He will win. He will wrestle with you because he loves you. So he's wrestling with David. We know that from Psalm 32, Psalm 51, other Psalms. We know that David is wrestling with this sin, but he didn't go to God. God sends Nathan to him. Uh, chapter 12 in verse 27, when her, when, 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 when her morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing, here's what I want to bring you back to, the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David's sin displeased the Lord. David didn't listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So God in his mercy Are you listening? God in his mercy sent someone to speak to David. And that's why I titled this sermon, God's grace for the guilty or grace for the guilty. Because it was God's grace to send Nathan. Think about it. That was God's grace to send Nathan. God didn't have to send Nathan. He didn't have to. He could have judged David because David was guilty of breaking the law. I'm getting ahead of myself. But he's clearly guilty of breaking the law. There is no sacrifice for this sin. But God in his mercy, you need to thank him. God in his mercy, God in his grace, God in his love, God in his kindness, God in his compassion, God in his loving kindness and long suffering. One year. Sends Nathan to 
talk to David. I'm confident based on the Psalms, God was trying to deal with David. God mercifully kept speaking to David. Even when David wasn't listening, Nathan comes to David and tells David a parable of two men in one city. Nathan is using a parable to explain to David his own sin. Now, who remembers? I told you a parable, Calvary Chapel, a parable is what? Earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Write it down. An earthly story, really easy, not theological. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The word parable comes from two words. Para, meaning alongside, and bole, or bola, some people say, which means to throw. Alongside and throw. Jesus would often lay alongside or throw alongside a story to illustrate a heavenly truth. So Nathan is telling David this parable. So get the scene. Nathan came to David and said, David, we got a serious injustice in the kingdom I need to tell you about. And David takes a seat on the throne and says, what's up? Keep in mind, David is probably listening with rapt attention because remember, David was a shepherd and he spent a lot of time with sheep. Nathan said, there's this rich guy who has lots of flock. David's sitting on the throne. What's, what's going on? Well, there's this rich guy with a lot of flocks and a lot of sheep. And the rich man took the poor man's one little ewe lamb. He goes on. This one little ewe lamb. The kids love the lamb. The lamb was like a family member. We put the lamb up at the table. The lamb would eat it from the table, which don't understand that, but okay, fine. But, <laughs> That's what the Bible says. The lamb was like a family member. And David probably sitting there going, oh, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, I love lamb stories. That's so sweet. And Nathan said, what do you think ought to be done, King David? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.